Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank. Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. Merry Christmas. On AM560. Ho, ho, ho. The Answer. All right, good Thursday morning. Amy Jacobson here. John Anthony, hey, you hey. have been MIA from this station for about a month now. A month, yeah. What goes on? Well, I, why do I, you? Uh, first of all, black and white radio Saturdays from four to seven. That's it. Yes, I nailed it. <laughs> um, but you take the month of December off. Yes, I do. Why? And uh, can I get that gig? Well, <laughs> I mean, the show still goes on. I okay. just take. I just take the month off. But what do you December do during off. the month? Um, it's just a time to reflect. A time to just regroup and mentally get healthy again. I mean, because a, a whole year of radio. And I don't do it like you guys do, you know, every single day from five to nine. <laughs> this time, it's a juggernaut. No, but um, my good friend Aaron Delmar, um, especially after my son had passed away, yes, he. Uh, I did it before that, and right? Because that's stop, what I remember. You did it before, but I was going to stop. And Aaron Delmar uh, takes me around the country with him, and because he wants me to just refresh, and he pays me. Who to is do it Aaron Delmar? Aaron Delmar, he's the guy that ran for lieutenant governor with Gary Rabine. Okay. He owns a company where he puts on 5Ks, half marathons. So he said, hey, why don't you just come with me, get a, a time to get away. For three weeks, he does this thing called a Santa Hustle all across the country. I think he does like 11, 12 races, three per week. And I go to one, like, preferably warm locations. Yeah. <laughs> like I just got back from Galveston, Texas. You look good. You look I, relaxed. I you do. look like you I got kissed good. by the sun. I, I, somewhat I did. You know, yeah. it was a little rainy down in Galveston, Texas, but. Uh, and I, I just go to get away and just refresh. Good for you. Yeah, and I'm refreshed. And, and there's been so much happening. I've been, I've wanted to come on. on I know. Uh, Don't worry. So you, much happening. We have plenty of yeah. time to talk about all of it. Um, but also too, I got to pick a bone. Justin Kosick, by the way, happy birthday. Uh, how old are you now? Twenty. You started here. Twenty-eight. When you were, you're uh, twenty-eight. He's a baby. I know. He's just a little baby. I can say that. Now. Um, yeah, because we're old. <laughs> I'm so old. People ask me for my ARP card, but we'll get to that later. Um, I'm demanding right now, making a declaration of Amy Jacobson. <laughs> you are not allowed to take off any days, ever. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I love I love George Hoffman. Yeah. But yesterday he kept turning my Uh-oh. radio on and off. Yeah. And finally I'm like, George, I have been here 13 and a half years. <laughs> I know when to turn on and turn off my yeah. microphone. I call him Hoff Daddy. You call him Hoff Daddy? Hoff Daddy. I'm calling him out the door, Daddy, because I don't <laughs> want that anymore. I mean, I love George personally, yeah. and oh, I love that love we have George. the same affinity for cats and feral cats. But, oh. um, yeah, so what did you do for your birthday? Well, Beth took me out to uh, Kai's in uh, Glendale Heights, I believe that is. I've, I've, ever since Kai's stood up against J.B. Pritzker, every birthday I say I want to go to Kai's. Oh, good for you. And I tell the owner every time I see him, I said, what you did during COVID literally drove me to you. Aww. I agree. 
I just and he comes show. up and he hugs you and he gives Beth oh. a little kiss on the cheek. He's such a sweetheart. He really is. What are they? What kind of is it? Just American oh, it's cuisine? Steak, steak, steak seafood. Is great. Oh, steak and seafood. Okay. And they have steak generous pours on the drinks. Generous. generous oh, like the pours. big like the beta pours. tank kind of pour. You generous want? pours. Yes, it's a great, great restaurant. All right. What did you have? I had the steak. I get the steak every time. Can't okay. go wrong. All right. Now I have one more bone to pick. Who parked in my parking spot Uh-oh. this morning? Not me. What me? Who owns the Volkswagen. Yes, it's a Volkswagen. It's you? No, that's not me. You know I would never do that. Who no, parked I in my spot? I own a Volkswagen, but I don't own a Volkswagen. Too. You don't own that? Well, I slashed the tires, so whoever is there is not getting <laughs> You better out. hope the tires are not right I am. It's the holiday season. Everybody uses this place to park and then go to O'Hare. O'Hare. I know. Yeah, they love well, it. Well, if you work here, you technically yeah, you can. Yeah, we passage, but don't take the good spots. I know, but there's, I mean, we have all this land, because nobody's in this building anymore right. from COVID. Go all the way up to the, what, fourth floor? Go, go oh, up there. Fifth floor. Eight floors. Well, go all the way up there. I'm not going all the way up there. No, I'm, no, I'm saying whoever parked in your oh. spot. Oh, or just one over. Right. <laughs> don't take the edge spot. I'm like a I cat. Hate... I want to mark my territory. Yeah. <laughs> and somebody parked in my spot. That's all right, though. <laughs> Um, but did you see the two buildings next door? They're getting torn down. I did see that. And wow. Beautiful buildings. Yeah. Citibank building and the one next to that, they put up the fencing. So yeah. You know what ma- they're putting up there? Uh, manufacturing plants. Oh. Okay. Similar to what's going up over there. Similar to what's going to pop up here someday. I mean, why do you don't need these large structures? with Look, look at how much parking yeah. space we have. And there's yeah. no cars. These are going to turn into condos. You think so? Watch. Condos or a hotel. If oh, the yeah. bears do, do come to uh, Arlington Heights, yeah, I think which more. they did purchase the land, but more money in the hotel. Well, their tax—I mean, I think their tax base was sixty-five million. Then woo. they pushed it up to three hundred forty million. Sheesh. So that's why they're. But so they tore down everything at Arlington. Yeah, Mayor Mayor Johnson, right? In his name? No, no, in Arlington Heights. Oh, same. Arlington. Yeah. Uh, no, Oak they're Oak dealing Oak with Oak the bigger Oak. fishes of Cook County, not Oof, the Arlington Heights mayor. Bam. All right, let's get on because we are going to be talking about a lot of things, the Trump ballot ban and what we should do to fight back for that. But first, I want to talk about Governor Abbott. Does he have cojones or what? He is doing the job of our President Biden. Mm-hmm. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro, answer line 64636, type in DA, and then a quick comment. So the Texas governor is now, instead of busing migrants here, he's flying them in on chartered flights. A 737, and they landed at O'Hare and went to the signature room. Biden's deliberate inaction has left Texas to fend for itself. The authors of the United States Constitution foresaw a situation when the federal government would be inattentive to states that faced challenges at their borders. And in response, they inserted Article 1, Section 10 to the United States Constitution to empower states to take action to defend themselves. And that is exactly what Texas is doing. Sorry, that is his new bill that he signed, allowing local police officers to arrest people who enter the country illegally and then deport them. But what he's doing with Brandon Johnson, I will let Michelle Gallardo from Channel 7 explain because she does so well because she's bilingual Mm -hmm. and she gets the story done. Video taken by Texas Governor Greg Abbott's office shows the moments yesterday afternoon when a privately chartered plane boarded some 100 migrants, many of them children, flying them to Chicago without giving the city any notice whatsoever. They landed at O'Hare's signature flight terminal around 7.15 p.m. It certainly seems like a stand, a political stand uh, that goes uh, not only short in addressing the issue, but further to create more tensions, uh, more danger, and more... um, 
more issues in the city. The newly arrived migrants are for now being housed inside the bus terminal at O'Hare Airport. Among them is 35-year-old Ana Maria Giordano, her husband, and three young children. The people who brought us here were the first to get off the plane, and we never saw them again, says Giordano. We kept asking what was happening, but the people at the airport didn't know. They just asked us to remain calm and told us to stay inside the terminal so we wouldn't be cold. To make matters worse, Giordano had to be rushed to the hospital shortly after landing. I have two brain tumors, and my eight-year-old son has leukemia. They treated me wonderfully at the hospital, but brought me back this morning at 5 a.m. According to the mayor's office, CPD was called shortly after the plane landed, saying that two unidentified individuals who flew with the plane reportedly fled signature flight and left the scene in an Uber prior to the arrival of police. Meanwhile, a spokesperson for the governor of Texas today put Chicago on notice, blaming the city's recent decision to crack down on rogue buses that drop off migrants outside of the designated area for the new tactic, saying in a statement, because Mayor Johnson is failing to live up to his city's welcoming city ordinance by targeting migrant buses from Texas, we are expanding our operation to include flights to Chicago. And again, it was a 737 chartered flight. Wow. I would have loved to have been on that. Yeah. Um, and they landed and they put them in the signature room at O'Hare Airport. Wow. Now that is reserved for the yeah. elite. Yeah. Of this country. I was in Houston. I mean, because we, to go to Galveston, we flew into Houston. On the way back to Chicago, I don't know if that was part of it, but you saw a ton well, they're flying of them, Venezuelans. Yeah, they're flying them commercially yeah. or on chartered flights. Wow. Because what, what has been happening is Brandon Johnson's been confiscating the buses if they drop them off at the wrong spot or arresting the bus driver. Yeah. So the two dudes that escorted these 100 illegals. Yeah. Got in an Uber and got out of <laughs> As soon as that plane landed, like, see you later. They, and they didn't know where to go, and they let them off the plane. Yeah. And th- those two got off and took an Uber out of there. Wow. 312-642-5600. They're at a battle now, that's for sure. Yeah. Because Brandon Johnson has some words for Governor Abbott. The issue is not just how we respond in the city of Chicago. It's the fact that we have a governor a governor, an elected official in the state of Texas that is placing families on buses without shoes, cold, wet, tired, hungry, afraid, traumatized, and then they come to the city of Chicago where we have homelessness, we have mental health clinics that have been shut down and closed, you have people who are seeking employment. The the governor of Texas needs to take a look in the mirror of the chaos that he is causing for this country. This is not just a Chicago dynamic. He is attacking our country. He's attacking our country. Was that his give me your tired, your poor speech? Yeah, basically. (laughs) And he's in over his head. He has no idea what's going on. And he has no idea what's going on at all these shelters. We have 26 shelters. We have seven park districts that are dedicated to migrants. And in order to go in as an alderman, you have to have a 48-hour waiting period. As an alderman? As an alderman. But he's the mayor, so just go in and see for yourself. So I talked to the medical examiner yesterday about that the five-year-old boy, uh, Carlos mm-hmm. Martinez, from Venezuela. He died. Yeah. They said he had a fever. She, t- she is telling me that uh, – I just want to find it because I want to get this right. She told me yesterday that um, they're doing toxicology reports on him. Oh, boy. They're doing – Histology, 
report on him, which looks at the cells. Mm. But she said he did not die from an infectious disease. So what did he die? She said, just be patient. So sometimes things are different than you think that they are going to be. Yeah. Wow. But Mayor Johnson went out, you know, at that press conference. That's why he held the press conference to, you know, tell the family he's sorry for their loss, which, yes, we're sorry for your loss. Right. And the boy is a cute little boy. I but saw the picture. We have, uh, what, 65 kids under the age of 17 who've died from gun violence on right. the street. Did he have a press conference no. for any of them? No. Did he Doesn't say fit anything? Doesn't fit the, but, I mean, wait. What comes first, the chicken or the egg? I, I, you know, I mean, he's p- focusing all the pressure on Governor Abbott. But who's allowing them in? Biden and his administration. There's no conversation about that. I, I don't get it. I mean, you are a sanctuary city, and you're loving. You had an opportunity to change that, and you struck it down. We're, there still is an opportunity. Correct. And they don't even let it appear on our ballot so that we... Citizens That's can what vote. I mean. But I just love what Mayor Abbott said. Because Mayor Johnson is failing to live up to his city's, quote, unquote, welcoming city ordinance by targeting migrant buses, we are going to expand our operation to include flights to Chicago. Wow. O'Hare doubling and down. Midway Airport. He's doubling down. Yep, good for him. <laughs> this is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560. This is Owners. Now's the time for your business to make the move to a locally owned business bank. Hi, Mike Gallagher here to let you know that you don't have to look far. Signature Bank was founded in Chicago with a simple mission to help companies like yours grow, succeed, and thrive. Their decisions are made locally by a terrific team that knows your name, cares about your business, and invests in your success. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. I'm a customer. As business owners, they knew that local family-owned businesses were not getting the help they needed or deserved. So, I invite you to reach out to my friends at Signature Bank today. Write the number down. Remember this phone number, Signature Bank, 773-467-5630. And learn all about this great bank, 773-467-5630. Or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. America First with Sebastian Gorka. Weekday afternoons at 3 on AM 560. The answer. All right, quickly, before we move on, I just did want to bring this to your attention. Uh, this Congresswoman Jasmine Crockett out of Texas. Oh. She's calling what Governor Abbott is doing murder. Oh. She literally called him a murderer. When you look at somebody like Greg Abbott, my governor, and his solution, his solution is to basically say, hey, we're going to kill people that are trying to come in. Can you believe that? How is he doing that? Explain. He's not. That was her response to this new law that he put in place where local law enforcement can arrest and deport people who come into this country illegal. Now, the ACLU has filed an injunction, Mm -hmm. so now it's tied up in court. Oh, they're back? Oh, yeah. They're 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 back back now? Yeah, they're back. Oh, where were they for COVID? They they were nowhere around, but now they're back? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, I get it. Mm. I know. I have a family member who sends them Christmas cards every year just to (laughs) flood their mailbox. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> our liberties, our civil liberties were uh, violated all through COVID. 312-642-5600. We're here all morning long, or you yeah. could text us at 64636, type in DA, then a quick comment. Do you have our text line up over there or over oh, yeah, here? Up. Okay, because I can't read 
What? You can't well, move I, it? That, uh, look how far away my screen oh. is. Oh, and it's wow, little that's print. so far away. No, is it, well, can you read this, John wait, Anthony? Wait, hold on. No. Yeah, give me one second. Oh, wait, don't wait, get out. Let me oh, put my readers he's on. Getting, no, those are cheaters, <laughs> not readers. I know I get out my cheaters. <sighs> uh, let's go to Roger on the south side. You're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Good morning. Well, hi, Amy. I'm Mary Mary. To you. You'll have to pass it along to Dan next week. It's nice to see John Anthony Thank in you. the studio. I like it when him and Charles fill in. They're, I think they contribute a lot. Thank you. Um, I think we're completely screwed. Uh, you know what? I, I'm a big admirer of uh, Governor Abbott. Um, you know what? Don't forget now, this they started with these border crossings pretty much the day after the election. And uh, he, he he let people know, hey, listen, if I don't get some, you know, we pulled federal funds. We stopped the wall. We, we pulled funding from the Border Patrol. Uh, you know, this is we all know this is organized. The question is here, us as Chicagoans, um, we're, we're looking at a long road because here we've got a mile winner thus far. Okay, and these people aren't poor or hardworking Mexican farmers that are coming up here. What we're getting, and I'm getting this, I have people in the CPD too, uh, we're, we're getting Venezuelans. Okay. In Venezuela, you know how they rob you? They don't come up to you and say, hey, I'm going to rob you. They shoot you, and then they just take your stuff. Well, you know? I mean, we're uh, keeping an eye on all the migrants who are committing crimes, but we haven't heard of any oh. of that happening yet. What we did here is two Colombians took a lady for a ride in uh, DuPage County. They met her outside a store. They came here illegally on one of the buses. They were con men, con artists. Really? And said, oh, I want a lotto yeah. ticket, but I need you to give me thirty thousand or $20,000 in order, you know, that scam. Oh, and she fell for it. Oh, my. And then she came back. Cash Another money. one said he was sick and he needed money. Just completely. They're con artists. <sighs> consider, consider the source that she was in DuPage County, though. Okay. Oh, oh. Bleeding heart liberals. Well, it happens. Just They've become. Well, Merry Christmas to you both. All right. Thanks, Roger. Appreciate the phone call. Let's go to. Hold on. Joe in Naperville. You're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Good morning and Merry Christmas to everybody. Thanks. Yeah, you know what? I can understand. Trump, they get a RICO case against Trump for conspiracy in Georgia. But you have all these organizations helping these illegals break our law. Why doesn't some Texas AG or some other AG go after all these organizations? And I don't care if it's the Catholic Church or not. Go after all these organizations for fostering all this criminal activity. There's got to be a, a law broken there, and they need to go after these individuals and groups. Well, I think. I, I, I mean, I, I, listen to this, though. Oh, do you want to respond? Yeah, I, I think with Rico, you have to have that central figure. I think the thing about what, what you see in the people that are in a part of these organizations and in our government, they're in those positions because they don't have to be told what to do. They're in those positions because people already know that they're going to make these type of decisions that they're making. Right. So it's hard to prove that Rico with that. You know, look at Mayorkas. I mean, they already knew what he stood. Look at Garland. They knew what he was going to do. You don't have to tell them. You know, oh, this the is what border we're doing. secure, that's, that's according conspired. to Mayorkas. Right. No, please. Please. Um, so Allie Bradley, she works for News Nation. She's yeah. there in Lukeville, mm-hmm. uh, Arizona, which if any of you have driven from Tucson or Phoenix to Rocky Point, that's the that's the entrance that you go through. I've been there several times. There. It is in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> And she has this great video of 300 migrants just storming, like she's standing there and they're storming around her. Wow. And just running. Wow. There's like 300. But um, she said, so she met up with two 
migrants. Uh, one has a court hearing. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. In Charlotte, North Carolina, in 2027, mark your calendars. The other one she met uh, was set to see a judge in Dallas, Texas, in July of 2029. Wow. And here she is, their court cases. Are you she kidding She tweeted me? it out. No. We're, there, you, prove that you're, you know, you have to prove that you are here because you're an asylum seeker, you know, that something's going on in your home country or you have yeah. an abusive husband or a boyfriend. Um, but their court hearings are years away. You think any of these people are going to show up for their court hearings? They'll get lost in the system. I, yeah. I was I was listening to Charlie Kirk. He was that live at his Ampfest. He was talking to Tom Holman, former ICE guy, mm-hmm. or ICE or Border Patrol guy, and he was Tom Bo- um, Holman was yeah. saying that uh, uh, people that were coming into this country, they were leaving their passports at the border. So how do we know? Who these people are just that are dropping just them? dropping and leaving their passport, any identification, they were leaving it behind at the border. And Tom um, Holman said they found so many passports. I mean, wow. and not just people from Mexico, Venezuela, but people from China, people from India, people from um, some of the, the Haiti, the sponsor, Nigeria, the terrorist sponsored countries, yep. Yemen, and all. The, Oh, yeah. I mean, come on, how- they've they've captured 138 known terrorists. Yes, but that's captured. Yes, the rest. Have gone through. Well, or he they said just... the one point eight million getaways. Right. I mean, the gotaways. I mean, how do we don't know who who, who are we, we? We simply don't know who's in our country. And I fear, and this is I've been steaming. I've been ready to talk about this because we don't know we're going to get hit. Because I I think those those Manchurian people are in our country, and they're just waiting for the signal or waiting for the call to attack this country. And it's and it lies at the feet of Joe Biden and all these Brandon Johnsons and people like them. And and I fear if we don't keep if we're not aware of what's happening, we're going to get hit, and we're going to get hit hard. Well, the FBI said there's a, an alert this yeah. holiday season to be prepared. So what does that mean? Be prepared for a domestic terrorist attack yeah. from our enemies overseas. Um, let's go to Joe in Hoffman Estates. You're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Hey, good morning, and Jen. Welcome back out of your sabbatical. <laughs> Thank um, you. Yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you said this, the lady had two brain tumors yeah. and her son has leukemia. Yeah. Um, could you imagine that just two people, what do you think the tax bill is going to be Ooh. to the people of Illinois for the thousands of people that have this and have medical issues? Just that alone is just enough mind boggling. I, I caught that too, Joe, when she said that I thought, oh, that's hundreds of thousands. Of yeah. I mean, my son had his brain tumor removed. Mm-hmm. That bill is six figures. Woo. I mean, you have to have, oh, it was a nine-hour operation with three different surgeons. Oh, my. So you have to, I mean, you have to have yeah. medical insurance yeah. or you'll lose your home and your And they'll never have minivan. to pay it back. Pardon? They'll oh, never yeah. have to pay that back. No, not at all. Bob in Buffalo Grove, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Good morning, Bob. And also to you, John. Hey, Bob. We ought to rename the program Black and White. Well, I'm blackish, uh, so I got a little white in me too, Bob. So. Bob, and I'm Swedish, so <laughs> the issues are here. Black and ish. <laughs> now, M- Merry Christmas to both of you. Um, January twenty first, twenty twenty five. Trump has said first thing he's going to do is um, at the border. First thing he's going to do is drill, baby, drill. He offered a third thing that he has said he plans to do. Deport all the migrants. I'm just wondering if he actually follows through on that. But 
going to be the reaction. Yeah. And I, I mean, see he also a real said, insurrection. Well, he also, thanks, Bob, for the phone call. He also said that he was uh, you know, going to go after Hillary Clinton. But then when yeah. he got into office, yeah. he left her alone. Yeah. He can't be like that because they're not leaving him alone. I don't think he's going to be like that. I, I think he's going to come full charging, as he should. But I just don't know how he's going to process all these people. Yeah. I mean, where the five-year-old boy died, there's 2,300 people. And it looks so shady from the outside. Yeah. And this lady that runs a food pantry, the Pilsen Food Pantry, which is across near the the shelter, she said the food is awful. They all come over there to get clothing and blankets and food. So aren't our tax dollars providing that? I don't know. We did a disservice by telling them it was okay to come here. President Biden. Who he puts at DOJ is going to be key and crucial, in my opinion. We're going to need somebody that understands this fight that we're up against and somebody that's not going to be afraid to make some of those tough, hard decisions. Well, just send a message. I mean, December, when I lived in El Paso and Tucson, December, real quiet for illegal crossings. I mean, like maybe one or, honestly, it was like one or two, because the desert's cold in the wintertime. People just don't cross that. Um, No. Hmm. Just send the message that the border's not open. Because they'll get the message. They're not going to bother to risk their lives and give a mule seven to ten to fifteen thousand dollars to bring their family up here. Right. And also to Brandon Johnson, when he said they're coming here without boots and clothes. Everyone that I saw got on that plane from El Paso to Chicago had on boots, a winter coat and and a hat and always an iPhone. (laughs) Always Uh, an iPhone, no matter where anybody lives. I, I got a question. Yes. Have we checked to see if the prisons in these countries have been completely um, empty, emptied out? And they're sending well, all the I know the there's worst one people. division of Cook County. I think no, I'm talking about in, in these countries. Like oh. Venezuela. We have so many Venezuelans here. How do we know that they didn't just empty their prisons and just send us the worst of the worst to come to our country? We, we, I mean, we, we can verify. We're not vetting any of these That's people. my point. And they're lining up like they just ran the marathon. They give them these Mylar sheets to wear. Yeah. And it's it looks like a long TSA line at Denver Airport. Yeah. They had 12,500 cross in one day on Monday, we set a, a record for illegal crossings. Yeah. Can you imagine? That's the size of a small town, 12,500. Yeah. Where are the Republicans? I haven't been really paying attention to news. Have they, like, literally, I mean, been it's coming out of It's a holiday side. I don't care. Time. Guess what? Terrorists don't take breaks. They don't. People that want to see the ill and the destruction of America, they never take a break. We do. And, and that's going to be the downfall of our country. We have to be aware of what's happening. It's not if it's one. Uh, let's go to Daryl on I-55. Good morning. You're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Hey, good morning. It's so good to hear you guys and talking about this. I just I lead a not-for-profit in Honduras. Been doing it for about 12 years. And I was at, I was there for a retreat this weekend with my team. And I was in Sigwit de Peque. There are like 20 buses at, the, at restaurants and stuff. And all of those buses are, they don't have just Hondurans. They have... Africans, people from China. I mean, I saw I saw a bunch of buses and all ready to come up, bring people up here, just wow. and really nice charter buses. It's crazy. Oh, that's what they pay. I mean, they yeah. pay for that. All right, thanks, Daryl, for the phone call. Appreciate sure. it. Let's go to Rich in Indian Head Park. Hi, Rich. How are you? <laughs> Love Rich. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, John. Good nice morning. to you. Good how are you? All he right, does brother. sound like Joe Pesci. That's, that's, oh. that's my nickname for him, Joe Pesci. Okay. It's on your mind, Rich. <laughs> what I wanted to say is everybody in the country is blaming Abbott for trying to do the right thing. 
and uh, even calling him a murderer. Now, if you look at it, Biden is the one that caused all of this to begin with. And nobody really holds him responsible for any of this. I mean, it's amazing that that nobody uh, holds him responsible. And and for people to call uh, Abbott a murderer, what about the 300 people that are killed every day from fentanyl because of the people coming across the border? Wouldn't, shouldn't everybody be calling uh, Biden a murderer? I mean, we're losing all of these people, and uh, nobody's saying anything about this. Thanks, Richard. And that's, that's really about it. And uh, before I go, I'd like to wish you a uh, Merry Christmas to you and your families. All right. Thanks, Have Rich. It. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. We'll be here for a big festive Christmas party. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. I want Christmas. Just give me plain baby Jesus lying in a manger Christmas. On AM 560, The Answer. Business owners, now's the time for your business to make the move to a locally owned business bank. Hi, Mike Gallagher here to let you know that you don't have to look far. Signature Bank was founded in Chicago with a simple mission to help companies like yours grow, succeed, and thrive. Their decisions are made locally by a terrific team that knows your name, cares about your business, and invests in your success. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. I'm a customer. As business owners, they knew that local family-owned businesses were not getting the help they needed or deserved. So, I invite you to reach out to my friends at Signature Bank today. Write the number down. Remember this phone number, Signature Bank, 773-467-5630. And learn all about this great bank, 773-467-5630. Or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. Merry Christmas. On AM560. Ho, ho, ho. The Answer. Good morning, Amy Jacobson here. John Anthony in for Dan Props. Hey, hey, hey. John Anthony of Black and Right Radio. Which can be heard Saturdays here at AM560 from 4 to 7 p.m. Are you going to be on the show this weekend or are you no, going to continue your sabbatical? This Christmas. Oh, I, that's right. I would dare let someone work for no, no, no. Well, oh, I don't. But I don't. I, anytime there's a holiday, I don't do my show because I'd rather the people be with their family than be on a you know holiday, spending their holidays. Good for you. Yeah, you're a good man. I try to be. All right. So, uh, as you guys know, in case you're living under a rock, President Trump has been kicked off the ballot in Colorado, uh, ruling a four to three. Citing, you know, the insurrection clause of the 14th Amendment, Section 3, the problem is he was never convicted or even charged with insurrection. And what are the names of those four uh, liberal judges that's, like, looking at them, they smell like hemp? <laughs> He's trying to say they, yeah, they, they were high. No, they're because just crunchy, they earthy <laughs> Melissa progressives. Hart, Melissa Hart, Monica Marquez, William Hood III, and Richard L. Gabriel. Okay. Well, obviously, President Trump is going to appeal this. And of course. I, I have a feeling that the U.S. Supreme Court is going to be a 9 nothing ruling, 9-0 uh, to zero ruling. Kataji, I don't know. She may rule against them. Oh, that's who you yeah, think? Uh, yeah. What about Sonia Sotomayor? Uh, no, I mean, she's been... Have she's you been reading reasonable. some of her, 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 her uh, dissents? And she's, she's not as radical as I thought she would be. All right. Well, Senator Chris Coons reminds us what this 14th Amendment, Section 3, is. Uh, I'll remind you, this provision of the 14th Amendment uh, was written to prevent 
uh, those who were part of the Confederacy who took up arms against the United States in our Civil War from returning to federal elected office. Uh, but there was a finding by the court in Colorado looking at the evidence that former President Trump participated in an insurrection. I was but here on January he didn't 6th. participate in an insurrection. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. You could text us at 646-36, then type in DA, then a quick comment. Can I break down what an insurrection is? Do you recall what happened in Afghanistan? Yes. How the Taliban, they had weapons, they went in, and they took over the country. That was an insurrection. What happened on January 6th was a riot. You had, you had FBI there causing a lot of the ruckus. And, and with, with all these you videos. FBI from, informants. FBI were, informants. You know. uh, then you, you also know. had Capitol Police who were letting people in, which was so bizarre to me. Tariq Johnson, former lieutenant. I'm, I'm talking to him through, on Twitter right now. Um, he talks about the second in command, a black woman who was, he says, was all about the coup. He said this was a coup, and she orchest- and she was leading the charge. I'm trying to get him on my show for the new year. He's going or, or a Sean Thompson show because I'm filling in for Sean Thursday and Friday. Uh, I'm going to try to get him on the show. And I, I want his story out there. Oh yeah, he's a former l- lieutenant. And we can follow him on Twitter. On Twitter, I, I'll get I'll get his um, Twitter, but uh, ho- hopefully he he comes on the show on Sean Thompson show. Well, this uh, this coup to take <laughs> Trump down. I mean, there's still 12 other states out there including California, now they're looking into possibly getting Trump kicked off the ballot. Yeah. So this could open the door Flood to gates. a floodgate. Mm-hmm. Um, Michigan, Minnesota, was very progressive. They're like, there's state Supreme yeah. Court said, we're not touching mm-hmm. this, we're going to pass. Mm-hmm. It's so bad that former governor of Ohio, no fan of Trump's, is saying, what are you doing? But this is just, you know, pure partisan, ridiculous stuff here. Uh, you know, I've had to say what I've said about January 6th and Apparently, there's been a place, couple places in the state, in the United States Senate, where they took a look at whether he should be convicted. He wasn't. I think Jack Smith didn't move forward to uh, indict him on this. But look, you've got a partisan court, all Democrats, and they barely, they barely could say that he should be disqualified. And think about the precedent of this. I always worry about that. I worry about the fact that you know I've told you this before. You know, you do this to me, and then I do this to you. And this just goes on and on and on. And I, I just think this case is going to, it's not going to hold up. And uh, it has a significant, if it were to hold up, you tell me what, what we're looking at in terms of future decisions being made by partisans, uh, partisan judges, that tell somebody who should be on the ballot and who shouldn't. And frankly, I know there are probably a lot of Democrats excited about this, but I got news for them or some advice for them. Why don't you figure out how to beat Trump? That would be a more important decision. And when they asked President Biden about this yesterday, I mean, he first of all, he said, oh, it's the court's decision. And then she said, Mr. President, is President is Trump an insurrectionist? And then that lured old grandpa to the camera to answer the question. Trump an insurrectionist, sir? Well, I think you're self-evident. He saw it all. Now, whether the 14th Amendment applies, I'll let the court make that decision. But he certainly supported an insurrection. And no question about it. None. Zero. And uh, he seems to be doubling down on about everything. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, I got to go have my job. You ever notice how they, the courts, the courts, the courts, but when abortion, uh, the courts were radical, the courts shouldn't be in, in should have made that decision. 
But with this, oh, it's the court's decision. You well, see how what they he think? should have said is the courts will decide, but regardless, I'm going to beat him. Right. Be a man. Stand up for yourself. Right. Instead, he's a doddering old fool. Right. And say, oh, of course he's an insurrectionist. Right. No, he hasn't been no. charged with insurrection. Uh, so we have a plan. Uh-oh. And I love this because there's a stay until January 4th. But what, why wait? Let's get on this now. Mm-hmm. Let's get Biden mm-hmm. kicked out because he's an insurrectionist because our border is under attack and none other than the lieutenant governor of Texas, mm-hmm. Mr. Patrick. He's uh, an amazing guy. Oh, yeah. He, he was on Laura Ingram's show with, with a plan. Maybe we should take Joe Biden off the ballot in Texas for allowing 8 million people to cross the border since he's been president. Uh, disrupting our state far more than anything anyone else has done in recent history. And so um, this is uh, this is so outrageous. 10,000, 12,000, 14,000 people a day crossing the border. Eight million now, people the numbers, since he's been in office. Know, enough to be the 12th largest state. Yeah. It's incredible. 312-642-5600. Uh, do you think that's going to work? Uh, Texas is probably the only way. I don't, I don't see Republicans having the... Because we believe in democracy. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't believe in democracy. I want I want the death of a democracy. I want the republic back. I made a post about that last night. Um, I don't think Republicans have the kahunas to do something like this. I think they're weak. They're scared. Um, they're not willing to go out and fight on this battlefield. Because, and you know, they want to continue. Oh, we're the party of but morality. But we always no. sit back and just let them fight. roll all over us. Right. Yeah. Take Fighting. it to them. Yep. Take it to them. You know, just like. Like, why are we hemming and hawing about Biden's impeachment? I, I'm, fi- I'm glad we finally did the impeachment inquiry, but they started this thing. You know, they had their shot at Trump. Impeachment. They did it twice. Right. And they missed. Teflon Don w- w- won again. I'm sure he, they had an opportunity to go after him. They waited 30 months after Trump left office to start all these in- indictments and things of that nature. Oh, yeah. Come on. And, this and is five election months, interference, he's gotten Four felony exactly. charges. One case out of New York where there's no victims. Yeah. The election interference case in Georgia. The federal election interference, yes. J6. Yeah. And then the documents case. Exactly. They've been going after him. This is just another way to try and take Trump down. And if you lived in Colorado right now, or I lived, or any of our listeners, and we appreciate our listeners, just empathize with them. You are in Colorado. Yeah. You love Trump. Or maybe you're on the bubble. You're going to fight like hell for him now. You know I am. I've told you. Day one. I, I've never lost my... I've never been one of those people that says, you know what, I'm I'm thinking about somebody else, DeSantis. Yet, yeah, no, I've been Trump ever since he ever since he they, he lost that rig election. I've been with Trump since that day. Three one two six four two five six zero zero Turnkey Pro Answer Line. Let's go to Antonio, who's in oh, Bolingbrook. Good morning, Antonio. All right. Well, the great news, like I said yesterday, I called yesterday. Um, they can't kick him off the ballot because all he has to do is appeal. And he doesn't have to win an appeal. He doesn't. Ha- All he has to do is appeal and uh, order state. But Ken Paxton or, or an attorney general should just go and sue these judges for them meddling in a federal election and taking a state's rights away of being able to pick who they want to be president of the United States. That would be great to see a conservative attorney general. Yeah, I don't That's see how true. Texas is harmed by that. How? How? how would, what would be the harm to Texas? Which can um, it's a federal election, and Texas all of a sudden finds itself with a risking a chance of them not being able to choose who their president is. If, let's just say Colorado happens to be the deciding state. I know it's unlikely, but it's a federal election. It's 11 again, electoral the, votes. 
I believe. Number two, yeah, but number two is they meddled in our election. I guess that's now, you know, against the law, right? <laughs> number three is um, these judges went against the Constitution. You have a Fourth Amendment right. And again, Trump's found guilty without being charged, without being able to uh, defend himself. I mean, it, it, it's, it's just I say it's defamation judges. of character. <laughs> But no, they, they should be impeached. What they did, they, they broke their oath to uphold the Constitution of the United States of America. Right. Well, there's a legal part to this and a political part, right. and they've violated both. Yeah, the political part is winning yeah. the day. Thanks, though. Antonio, for the phone call. And it, But some liberals, believe it or not, were celebrating this yesterday. Yeah. Here's, yeah. A, here's a montage of their you know, gloating. This is not a crazy thing for a democracy to do. It's very much like the reasoning of the conservative legal community the conservatives on the supreme court who usually go on and on and on about states rights are hypocrites he was an enemy of the constitution simply a plain reading of the u.s constitution this is not partisan this is about applying historic principles what do you say to the um, to the republican candidates argument that this should be the voters should have the say and not the courts why are you standing with confederates Wow. Who betrayed this country? <laughs> Clay in Libertyville, you are on Chicago's Morning Answer. Good morning, Clay. Good morning, John. Good morning. Good morning. John, every time I talk to you, I always think of Ricky Bobby, John Anthony. You got two first names. <laughs> three, actually. <laughs> I have three. Demetrius. What's your middle name? Demetrius. John Demetrius oh. Anthony. Yeah. Yeah. Aw. That, that's a mouthful, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, these, t- these judges should absolutely 100 be tried for uh, election interference and meddling in a uh, federal election. This, this, this is borderline treason on their part. They are not standing by our republic. They are not standing by our constitution. They are treasonous people. They are going against the will of the people. Thanks, guys. Have, have a great Christmas. And you know what, Amy? You, Thanks, you, you notice that when, when, when the whole process of why Trump is angry and why he's being indicted because he said the election was rigged, which I believe it was rigged, uh, no, but he's, not he's one an American court. citizen, freedom of speech. Exactly. He can say whatever the heck he wants. But not one court. People keep saying, oh, the, 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 the courts dismiss it. No, no one even, no one would take the case. Right. They wouldn't even take the case. But now Colorado, uh, uh, their butchery of the 14th Amendment, Section 3, found it when other states, uh, what's his name, John Castro, the guy that's running for office for president too. Oh, this yeah, is the guy yeah. that started all this. He's on Twitter. He's everywhere on Twitter. But, I mean, not one person would touch any of the election rigging, but now they want to election rig and, and, and cause election interference? I mean, in my mind, that doesn't compute. It doesn't add up. And no one's really talking about this stuff. I know. Where are the Republicans? Yes. Besides former Governor John Kasich. Oh, my. But, I mean, think about it. This anti-democratic ruling could open the floodgates. There's 12 states left, and I know I said this before, yeah. but this could be the end of it. This could be the end of if all of these states, California, if they fall too. Mm. But you know what the saving grace is? Justin said it earlier when, during the break. Trump appointed three conservative justices to the U.S. Yep. Supreme Court. And, and, and I really believe that's going to be the saving grace. I really do. Well, here's President Trump responding. They want to silence me because I will never let them silence you. And in the end, they're not after me. They're after you. I just happen to be standing in their way. 
Connect with Dan and Amy on the AM560 The Answer mobile app. Just text the word APP to 64636 to download the app today. Only the biggest stories, only the biggest guests, and only the biggest opinions. This is AM560 The Answer. I always try to hold on to some hope when you live in Chicago, when you live in Cook County, but with Kim Fox and the Safety Act, I mean, it's unbelievable. We have 90-plus people out right now this morning on electronic monitoring who've committed violent crimes. No, no. Carjackings, attempted murders, uh, aggravated assault, otherwise known as rape. Yeah, you know, that's because that was her goal. I mean, she wants, you know, she's emphasizing mitigation and rehabilitation rather than high conviction rates and a shift from prosecuting low-level and nonviolent crimes, and that's what she's done. And now there's no bail, yeah. zero bail. I wonder what the bail bondsmen are doing now. Do you know? Because that was a whole, that was a job, that was a profession, that was a thing, and there's no no bail, so there's no need for bail bondsmen. You're not feeling my empathy for the bail bondsmen. Uh, I don't, I don't think Illinois has bondsmen, do they? Well, we don't now because we don't have yeah. bond. Yeah. People used to be let out on bond, and yeah. then they'd lend you money, and you know the whole thing, the whole racket. But anyway, yeah. so. We can change the trajectory, or can we? With that, let's welcome back to the program Bob Fioretti, former alderman for the second ward, and Mr. Fioretti. We are going through the list of offices that you ran for. We're gonna, I'm just going to try to get this right. You ran for mayor in 2015, 2018. You ran for Cook County Board President. You ran for Secretary of State. Is that correct? No, not that one. Not that one. Oh, see, we were wrong. Thanks, hey, Quinn. Uh, just name them all, and, uh, and, and you can go yes, County no, board maybe president. sometimes. But I was right, Cook County Board President, right, against Preckwinkle. I think Correct. I've voted for you every time that I possibly can because I believe in you. So what are your chances of being the next Cook County State's Attorney, and what are you doing to try and secure that vote? Well, I'm running on the Republican, uh, under the Republican label, and I am in every community, everywhere I can be, uh, raising the message uh, of this system that is uh, almost broken here, but I think it still can be fixed. But the the question has been in the past about raising the money. Uh, And I have been cut off by the powers that be uh, and the political ruling class about raising money. Uh, and they've made sure that they put me, try to put me in a corner. And I think you may recall they remapped me out of my ward. I remember uh, in that. fact, my home wasn't even in it. And what was that all about? It was about the political ruling class continuing to make money. I mean, they instituted the remap ahead of time so Burke and Solis and parties can get the, the post office, the 76 acres, and a lot of other areas under their domain so they can exploit for their own pocketbooks. I mean, I feel the time is now that we need to change this system. I mean, we see the, you started off talking about these uh, criminals out there. Well, you know, I'm running because enough really is enough. Uh, our lives are becoming some sort of a script for bad movies uh, as uh, these punks and thugs, uh, you know, they live out their video game fantasies in our streets. And our leadership of this county, instead of trying to uh, you know, arrest those and uh, they're shutting down uh, the jail to balance the budget and uh, they let these criminals run loose, 
and and they do it without any regard to our public safety. And that is what we're seeing now. And I, I'm standing up and I'm saying it again. Enough is enough and we need to do something. Uh, look at all the small businesses. Look at all the large businesses that are leaving the city of Chicago because of this runaway crime uh, effort uh, that is underway, that nobody can be arrested here. And I've come up with five different points that I hope can change. Uh, and you said the trajectory. Uh, I hope it does that. And I'm the only candidate that has come up with it. Well, what are the five uh, points? Can you tell us? Well, yes. Uh, I'm going to say to the prosecutors at 26th Street, uh, you're going to start prosecuting crimes. or Otherwise, there's the door uh, to the families of victims. I'm telling them I'm going to fight for you. Uh, and we're going to, uh, you know, we will prosecute those responsible uh, and those that have created the, these heinous crimes. Uh, three, to the experienced prosecutor that left this office in frustration, I'm going to say, come on back. We need you. We need people that understand the criminal system uh, and experienced prosecutors that know this system and will prosecute the criminals. Uh, four, to the police officers, I have your back. It's as simple as that. And I'm going to visit police stations throughout this county and tell them, you know, you bring in the crooks and we will prosecute them. And then number five, and we see it every day in the newspapers right now, fighting corruption is really one of my highest priorities. Uh, The Cook County State's Attorney has not only the ability, but they have the duty uh, to bring cases against corruption and white collar crime, both political and private. And I'm going to do so and make sure that we clean up this county those are the five points and and it takes an effort of people getting out and voting in november uh and making and we can make the difference i see no difference between the democrats they may talk a little bit here or there but uh uh, there's really nothing be, uh, between them that really is any different. Hey, Bob, how's it going? It's John. I, I forget where we just met. We were just at an event together. I forget where. I, and uh, I told you I got to get you on Black and Right. But, you know, Cook County, last Republican state's attorney was Jack O'Malley. I mean, right. this guy got 1.2 million votes in Cook County to 800,000 800, by Patrick O'Connor back in 90, 1992. Uh, how do you get beyond that scarlet letter, especially in Cook County, when – I believe there's only like um, what a what, hundred and some thousand registered Republicans in Cook County. Uh, more to independents. What's your message to that independent crowd to say, come? And I know you gave out your points, but how do you win in in a predominantly Democrat county? Well, I don't believe people are going to go blindly in the polls right now. Uh, granted, many will, and they vote the Democratic way because that's the Chicago way. But I think they're feeling the difference. They're feeling high taxes. Um, fe- and the unfortunate set of uh, uh, facts is that people silently, and I've said it since I was first elected in uh, 07, people vote with their feet. And I saw it then, and I'm seeing the floodgates are open here. But we can turn the tide. And uh, uh, they're feeling the, uh, the pressure. People are walking out of their homes, and they have to look around. Mm -hmm. Uh, They feel unsafe. They don't have an educational system that they can believe in and send their kids. 
we can turn things around, but uh, you know, it's going to require people voting uh, for for a Republican who believes in fiscal. And I have always voted this, and and that's why people always thought when I was in the city council, I was a Republican then because I voted for fiscal responsibility. I voted for uh, family values. I voted for safe streets, strong communities. I voted against six of the eight budgets that I could, uh, and. Uh, one was a recession budget under Daly that was very tight, uh, and the other one uh, under the first one that Rom came into, and uh, uh, all of them, you know, I look back and uh, you know, people, if we could have gathered the support, but you know, the power structures here in Cook County yep. dominate, yep. and they want to make sure that people are, in a sense, they follow their lead as they line their pockets, yeah. and uh, the public began. And, and Bob, Bob and, and I think we just had that, that what, what, what you just said, in the 2020, 2022 gubernatorial race, that was on the ballot. People don't feel safe. People, um, lack of educational resources, and, and just bad education in the city of Chicago through uh, the fault of CTU. That was on the ballot, and Pritzker still walloped Darren Bailey in 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 Cook County. Right. I think Pritzker won because of the abortion issue. Well, yeah, of course he, he that won. Was, which, as which soon as Roe v. Wade, I'll never forget. I, I, I died inside because right. I thought oh, I was watching TV, going, "Oh, right. Pritzker just won re-election." Yeah, I just, and, and, right. and he bought the election. Yeah, I mean, uh, look what's happening out there. This political ruling structure is allowing. Uh, big money. The Democrats are more of a special interest. They forgot the middle class. Uh, you know, I grew up in a middle class neighborhood in Roseland. Uh, I'm proud of people I know the, uh, from Roseland. I'm, I'm still proud of the neighborhood of Pullman uh, and what we do down there. I'm going to tell you, uh, we have to get together and fight and, and people have to come out and vote. Uh, whether you look at the mayoral one uh, they were out organized uh, the Vallis campaign, and he lost because he was out organized and he spent uh, poorly. But they, he tried to have a message, and there was, you know, no matter which way you look at it, the uh, public sector unions have become the new uh, political force here in this uh, city and county and state. Yeah. Uh, and, and Bob, we get, we're getting short money, on time. Bob, Bob, we're getting short on time, but I, I, I want to. I mean, you see people like Mark Carter, Kay Winding, Tyrone Muhammad. I mean, these people are going viral, these black community leaders. Have you reached out to any of these black community leaders to say, hey, how can you guys help shift and change what's happening in Cook County? I have in the past, and uh, they're part of a structure of how to reach into the black community. But my, my ties are deep in the black community. I'm well known. I fought for... Uh, uh, those that were wrongfully in prison, and yet at the same time, I believe in good, strong police uh, uh, accountability and, and a good uh, police force. And uh, I am going to be reaching out to uh, all those folks that you've just said. And, and uh, we have touched base, but we haven't made firm commitments on how we proceed. But uh, the answer is yes. Yeah, Paul McKinley, all those guys. Um, oh, these Paul, guys. Paul's, uh, Paul, uh, He's not Paul afraid to go in the neighborhoods. Talk. Yeah. Good. Yeah, because there's there's somebody else you're running against that is afraid to go into the neighborhoods and go out and campaign, which just floors really? me. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, uh, and one of the Democrats, she's afraid to go into the community. So uh, I'm willing to walk down the streets. I'm willing to talk to the people and listen to their pain and suffering. And I doubt whether either one of these um, uh, Democrats have ever been to uh, a funeral in the black community of, of people that have been slain, the people have been shot uh, and killed. Uh, I, I have been endorsed by mothers of, uh, uh, who have had their sons uh, and daughters killed in the past. Uh, this is, you know, we are at the turning point here in this county, and this is it. We have, uh, this is the day for this yeah. county. What and in the hell do you have now, to lose is the question. Right, exactly. All right, All right Bob, if you're ready, we're going to have to leave it there. Two-term Chicago Second Ward Alderman, Second Ward Democratic Committeeman, currently candidate for Cook County State's Attorney. Bob, where can people get more information about your campaign? Uh, so you're ready for Cook. Uh, you can see me online there and uh, uh, go from there and follow me on Twitter and uh, a couple of other of those social platforms. All right. Fear ready for Cook. Thank you so much Thank and uh, appreciate having you on. And of course, though, one thing I love Thank about you. Bob is that uh, back in 2015, this was his campaign ad when he ran for mayor. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Hot dogs, pizza, sports, and spaghetti. If you love Chicago, gotta love the already. He fights for your rights on the council floor. He sponsors legislation. He does so much more. Look at the ward he revitalized. Oh. Look at the city rom Okay, wait, all right, hold on. Do you like this one better? Hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, we have a new system here. I like this. This was 560. Ho, ho, ho. The answer. Uh, the countdown to Christmas has begun. John Anthony in for Dan Prof today. Hey. Thank you. And you'll be here tomorrow too, right? I'll be here tomorrow. Yay. Yeah. I'm excited. Fun times. Yeah, we I always have fun. Yes, we do. But tomorrow we're going to sing, sing a song. Oh, boy. Uh, we're going to have to practice because <laughs> we have to practice. We had some wonderful singers in here yesterday. Yeah. I heard that. That was They were yeah. nice. And guess how much they practice. A lot. That's the practice. That's what? how good they were. I put them on the spot. I said, why don't you two do a duet? Because you had a soprano yeah. and a tenor. And I thought, let's make music. Let's make harmony. <laughs> and they did it. They pulled it out. So. Wait, what did Dan, Dan call you? A band leader or something? I don't know. <laughs> um, so have you finished your Christmas shopping yet real quick? Not we... quite. Actually, well, I can't say it on the radio. But what? Justin has something I'm going to get one of my kids. Who, no, excuse me. One of my daughters. Justin has, he has some... something on. That I'm going to get one of my daughters. Oh. I forgot to get it when I was in Houston. Oh. Yeah. We can't, are we talking in code? No, I, yeah, because she listens. That's, okay. That's what he. What I'm getting. You oh, that's what, he what he's wearing? Yeah. No, no. no. I mean, yeah. what he has in his hand. Yeah. No, Santa's <laughs> been going to be getting that, right? Yeah. Right. Yes. Well, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you know what a lot of people are doing? 
leaving Illinois. Ooh. Did you hear? The number. Guess the number one state is yeah. California. California. Then Oh, the wonderful state of Illinois. No, New York. Oh, New York and then Illinois. Illinois. So oh, we so 80, we're third now? Eighty four thousand people leave. According to the Census Bureau in twenty twenty three. Oh my lord. And there's a That's number specific well, to Chicago too, right? I don't know about the oh. well, the Illinois, but yeah, there's two different numbers out there. But the Consensus Bureau says the U.S. Census Bureau says eighty four thousand, Illinois policy says thirty two thousand. Then there's another number floating around twenty four thousand. Thirty three. The, the bottom line, it's a lot it's of people. The tenth year in a row that Illinois population has dropped. Wow. So how do we stop people from leaving Illinois? With that, we welcome back to the program, Lashawn Ford. He's the Illinois State Rep for the Eighth District. Good morning. Mr. Ford, how are you? Good morning. How are you? Good. So I saw that you, you, you know, you were quoted when you heard this number when a reporter brought this up to you. Did you know that we've been losing people for the last 10 years, for the last decade? Oh, yeah. And and it should be noted that um, John will know that you are replacing with another John in a heartbeat. So he better behave. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, brother? Yeah. How you doing, John? Yeah, I knew it, and and we all knew it. Um, but I think that we have to do everything we can to have an accurate count in um, in Illinois, so that we can receive the benefits of having um, a larger population. And that said, I think that we're undercounted as a state. People do don't mean? trust the system, right. and they don't take the um, census um, survey, which means that. Um, Oh, you so know, you're blaming the process up. instead of the people that are leaving? Because Governor Pritzker well, kept saying, oh, no, our population numbers are fine. Well, we lost a congressional seat. So obviously right. we are losing people and hemorrhaging people. And the number right. one reason is because of high taxes. You know, I think that we're to that point, I would say that people may still be living in um, Chicago and in Illinois, but they may take residence. They may make their home address for business purposes and tax purposes in another state. And that's unfortunate. Well, what can we do to stop it? I mean, and what the Paul Simon public policy institutes found that 47% of Illinoisans, almost half wanted to leave the state and that taxes are the single biggest reason. So for instance, you know, my mom's got a house in Tucson, her property taxes, 1,600 a year and you can't live anywhere well, and same with Missouri. I mean, ask any of your friends that live out of state and they'll tell you, you know, I mean, it's how did we get to this point and how is there any chance to reel it back? You know what? I think wasteful spending and um, and, and you may not um, want to hear this, but when we talk about over incarceration and spending billions of dollars on prisons has really, really impacted taxpayers. And the taxpayers pay the cost for that. Our budgets, when we look in Springfield, we spend more money on corrections and public safety, and yet we still don't get the right return. And um, as a result of spending all that uh, revenue, our state and our city doesn't benefit from it. Well, wait, are you it saying that we should get rid of people who are incarcerated, put everybody on electronic monitoring to save? No, no. I, I knew that that would spark <laughs> that. But, um, I, and I wanted to make sure that we uh, know that there's this 
there's always been this drug uh, war against drugs where people actually uh, spend time in prison and in jails for nonviolent offenses and taxpayers pay the cost for that. And that's unfortunate. I mean, I think we have to have a way for people that are struggling with uh, substance use disorder to have treatment. It's much less expensive for taxpayers than incarceration. And, and that, that's just, it just makes sense. If we really want to cut taxes in the state of Illinois, then we have to be uh, better stewards of taxpayer dollars. Right. You know, when, when I served down there, uh, Sean and I, we didn't, we didn't always see eye to eye, but we did a lot of good things with criminal justice reform <clears throat> when I was down there. And, and Sean was always one of the, LaShawn was always one of those people you can reach across the aisle and say, hey, or he'll reach across the aisle and say, hey, I got this bill that I need help with. But listen, I'll tell you what the problem is. I remember when I first came down there in 2013, and we were voting for a fiscal year 2020, I mean, um, 2014. That budget, I believe, was $32 billion. What was the budget passed this year? You know the number? It's 50. Yeah, we, it almost $60 billion. $60 yeah. billion. So in 10 years, oh, we went from $32 billion to $60 billion uh, in, 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 in the budget. And and it's, it's really and he may not say agree with me, but Illinois has hasn't really passed a balanced budget in years because of <laughs> you know I'm right we about that. We don't even know what a balanced yeah, budget is. There's well, always a supplement. Well. There's, there's always a supplemental that comes after it to fix the problem of not passing that that balanced budget. You know that, and I know that. But I think I think that's the problem. I think we've added all these new spending. It's not just DOC. It's also Medicaid. Uh, I mean, I mean, look at look at this influx of. Of, of migrants coming to our, our state as well. I mean, these are just things that are added on top, on added on top of, to your point, what you said earlier, was all this wasteful spending. And, that, and, and how, much, how many redundancies are within that budget? Can we have, can we have uh, uh, what, what are those audits called, LaShawn? You know, we, we need a, 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 we, what we need to do is budget for results. And you were a part of that commission when we were down there yeah. fighting to budget for results. Yeah. That's what we did it. But, you know, we don't budget for results. And I know some people don't like the fact that you talk about zero base budgeting, but that's something that we probably should be looking at, yeah. examining whether or not people that are actually getting contracts in the state of Illinois are delivering on services. Right. Why would we continue to contract with people on the, that servicing the West side when we continue to see crime on the rise, when we continue to see the overdoses and deaths from yeah. heroin and opioid on the rise? That's not a good business model. No. That's poor taxes. Man, that's, more, that's poor um, stewardship of tax dollars. So why do we continue to do the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result? I want to see, and, and that's one of the things I, I've always loved about you, LaShawn, was you are more than willing to go against your party. I've seen you do it on a number of different times. You will take any question any, any reporter question. asks you. Any question. He's the only one that And answers that the actual yep. question. That's one thing I've well, always you loved know, about I you. Think, I think I, I would say that it's not so much of going against a party as much as it is. I'm a part of a party and I have to help lead and I need the party to listen. That's why being in that room, I'm not going to be silent when right. it comes down to 
making sure that the Democrats hear what needs to be heard. Right. And and things change because you have different people um, speaking, you know, and, and that's what I think is important in both parties. And, and LaShawn, how are we going to get a handle on the crime? I know. I listen. I know. I hear the talking points. Crime is going down. Um, you know, I'm a former police officer. I, you know, there's a way you can change this UCR codes to to, to make it appear as though crime is coming down. I've seen it. I know it happens. Yeah. Uh, how? What are we going to do, Lashawn? People are dying. I would tell you, John Anthony. I would say that it's important that we capture the criminals and reform them in prison. Yeah. I, I am all for incarceration yeah. of violent criminals to protect the public safety. And we stopped that. You know, there's no, we can't have rehabilitation because there's no habilitation. I mean, there's, they've literally taken out all of the programs out of there. So there's, I mean, are you fighting to put some of those programs back in there? Yeah, actually there's, and there's some talk about some people don't believe that we should spend taxpayer dollars to educate people that are incarcerated. You know, and I disagree. I think we need to make sure that these individuals that's in prison, that's going to return to our communities, are better. Give them a skill. They got to have a skill because when they return, they're going to return to a life of crime or they're going to go into workforce. Yeah, and that's where people say that I had a, 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 a liberal heart because, but I worked at Safer Foundation for six years. So right. I've, 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 I was in the minutia. I understand the issues and the problems. And when you, you want to cut the recidivism, recidivism rate, this is what you do. You, you rehabilitate in prison. You help them give them a skill. Because guess what? If you do not, they're going to come back to your community and, and cause the same crimes. chaos. Yep, yep. You know? Yeah. I, I, you know, the streets, people are not feeling um, safe in the rural in, at all. And so we focus on Illinois. The, the best thing that we could do is have a budget that's compassionate and that is truly budgeting for results well but you so, were for the safety act and do you think that's uh, yeah, effective yeah, so far it's effective, it's effective so far and i tell you i think that as time go on the safety act has not caused our state and to be more violent. Oh, come on. These two black dudes who put a gun to my neighbor's face, they were out they on bond. Uh, not out on bond. They were they were let out by a judge. It's so arbitrary because my, my foster son's in jail, okay? And he had a bond. And then the safety act kicked in, and the judge took his bond away. And so he has no misdemeanor. He has two misdemeanors, one for stealing food when he was living in a parking lot behind the yeah. JCPenney's which I don't fault him for, another right. for a high school fight. So he's not a violent person, and they won't let It's arbitrary because that judge thinks, well, no, I'm going to exert my power no, to keep him let's behind talk bars. About, no, let's talk about the Safety Act so that people, as it relates to the bail bond system, let's, be, let's okay. have a real conversation. Yeah. Well, I'm living it, so you tell me how to right. process so this, this please. Safety Act, this is how it works. We know that there is no doubt that there's over-incarceration of people that should not be locked up, and taxpayers pay the yeah. expense for that. Like that's, my that's foster any, son. Mm-hmm. Right. We're, we're, we've done away with that. Even before the Safety Act, the bail bond system was enacted and, and became law, we had a problem with judges letting violent people out because they had the discretion to do so. This has not changed that. 
What we have now is the Safety Act where we have a, a system in place that if a person fails the, the rubrics and they come out as a violent person based on the, the rubrics, then they should be held. Now, let me just tell you what's important about this. The judge discretion has been taken away to a certain degree. Now, prosecutors have to recommend that the perp is held in custody. If the prosecutor fails to recommend to the judge that this perp should be held in jail, the judge has no authority to hold that person. So well, I thought the safety act was sure supposed to help the poor lady who, you know, stole the formula for her kids and she has no money because my foster son has no money yeah. to to get out. I thought it was supposed to help people like that. I think it's helping those people. And that's why everyone. county jails, county jails are not overflowing with nonviolent people and taxpayers will see the benefits of that. Now, I want to talk to you offline about your um, your son so that we can find out how. And why he's um, not released? Yeah. Because well, he's in a smaller you know, county. He's in yeah. Fulton County, yeah, Illinois, that's, that's, and that's that's, that's the problem. Because if he was up here, he'd be out. He'd be out for sure. Yeah. No see, questions asked. Prosecutor, see, the prosecutor recommended that he is detained. Right. That's why the judge detained him. That's what I'm telling you. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the safety act. The prosecutor saw that kid. And I know your story with your child. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I know how he looks. And that prosecutor looked at him. Which they in the county he's in. Uh, but, yeah. LaShawn, re- re- really quickly, I mean, when you look at that list of non-detainable offenses, I mean, some of those, I, mean, you, I think you guys got to go back and, mm-hmm. and redo some of that stuff because what's happening in Cook County, uh, a lot of these people are getting coming right back out and committing either uh, more egregious crimes or the same crime. But I want to talk John about Anthony, something. You're right. John Anthony, let me be on record to say that we must go back and, and continue to work on um, t- um, um, fixing the safety act. I, I, I want to just really quickly. Um, I, what I, what I, I don't like a, a part of the safety act. Uh, anonymous complaints now against police officers. And um, when we you guys have worked so hard to get people uh, who their expunged records and things of that nature. But it's like you're trying to now throw on police officers uh, this millstone around their neck where they now have records indefinitely. I mean, you know, you you and I, we I, I really miss mixing it up with, yeah. with, with LaShawn. This is how we used to mix it up in Springfield, and I, mm-hmm. and I love it. I miss it. But um, you've given now these officers these criminal records, basically, and anybody can go and not sign the, uh, uh, an affidavit, a sworn affidavit to say that, I, under perjury of, uh, you know, basically, I'm not lying. I'm telling the truth that this happened. I think, I'm, I mean, I think that's one of the things that's leading to these police officers not wanting to do their jobs. Yeah, if I was still I, a police officer, I wouldn't. And it's I, so I, bad I that Governor Pritzker is now letting people who are yeah. here illegally become police officers Correct. come January yeah. 1st. Yeah. Because nobody wants the, to do that Amy, job. I think you guys are, we, we have to look at, I mean, I think that, as a black man, knowing how people have been wrongfully incarcerated and police putting records on individuals and prosecutors, prosecuting and judges, sentencing people that are innocent. We just saw a man spend 14 years in prison. Yeah, I saw that. So I'm sympathetic 
and another man has spent 40 years in prison. So I'm sympathetic to police officers being accused of things that they didn't do. And yeah. that's why like the rape we of, they said they were raping people. Right. right. So you know? we, we can't have that type of um, public acts um, in, in Illinois. And I'm for changing that because I'm sympathetic based on what I know those type of laws and that type of power does and how it destroys families. All right, LaShawn Ford, we're going to police to join us in this fight. All right, we're going to have to leave it there for today. Illinois State Rep for the 8th District. Thank you both. Thank you so much. Happy holidays. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. This is Chicago's morning answer. Hallelujah! Holy s***! On AM560. Where's the Tylenol? The answer. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560, The Answer. Tis the season for a number of book releases, and I have one for you, John Anthony. By the way, good morning. Amy Jacobson here. John Anthony and for Dan Proft, and we're waving around the newsome nightmare, because as you remember, or may recall, he was recalled. In 2021, I believe, for yeah. a number of reasons why. And one man who ran against him in 2018, who was a gubernatorial candidate, was John Cox. And then he tried again in the runoff. And here's his ad to get to little, know a little bit about him. Get a big grizzly bear. What's happened to California? What's happened to our grand state that for generations led the world in livability, in innovation, creativity, ingenuity? What's happened to our state that's forced millions to flee? When once it was the world's dream to live in our sunshine. What happened? Politics. We chose pretty over accomplished. Pretty boy, pretty boy. We chose beauty over brains. We chose to continue a political dynasty instead of saying, stop, this ain't working. We need to choose someone who can fix this place. John Cox was born with nothing. Never knew his dad. His aunt was not Nancy Pelosi like Gavin. John did not grow up at the feet of the multi-billionaire Gettys. John Cox is like so many of us. He worked his way through college, became a CPA young, then a businessman. Started small. Worked 24-7 to support his family. Make something of his business. He started this campaign with his own money, trying to fix this place. He's run over and over because he knows the school of hard knocks he grew up around has given him the toughness and the skills to actually make a big difference. No rosy promises. This will be tough. Take time. We have to do things so differently in every part of our state government. I'm a business guy running to make change. Great big ones. That grizzly bear. Uh, with that, let's welcome to the program John Cox, former candidate for California governor and author of the new book, The Newsome Nightmare, The California Catastrophe and How to Reform Our Broken System. Good morning, Mr. Cox. How are you? Good morning, Amy. Good morning, John. Good morning, sir. With you, boy, that brings back memories, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, first of all, before we get to the substance, that bear, what, was it a 600-pound bear or 900-pound bear? And how did you get up? You know, you were right uh, next to it. It was a thousand foot there, Amy, and it was seven feet tall and its hind legs. And I had to actually kiss that bear during the commercial. Uh, it was uh, a little bit disconcerting, I will say. Well, I mean, you had to be trained, right? I mean, 
it's it's a bear that's been in a bunch of commercials. It's been in TV shows. It was in Yellowstone, I think. Uh, so it's it's a performing bear that has been raised by a trainer since it was a little cub that was lost by its mother somehow. So wow. it's a it, it it was it was an experience. Let's put it that. Well, way. the other big bear is Gavin. People's attention. Yeah. Well, you got people's attention, all right. Uh, Gavin Newsom, he's the big bear of lies. I mean, his. I'm sure you watched his oh, debate against DeSantis where I've never wanted to reach through the television and just shake somebody. He is so sleek <laughs> and slimy with, with everything that he does, but there is a chance he could run for president in 2024, and if not then, for sure, in 2028. So uh, don't you think he'll bring the dysfunction of California to the entire nation if he's elected? Well, Absolutely, and that's what the book addresses. And, you know, you're living the catastrophe in Illinois with a lousy school system, with high taxes, massive spending, as you just talked about, uh, rising crime. Uh, in California, just multiply that because electricity costs five times in California what it does in Illinois. Uh, housing is incredibly expensive when you can even find it. Uh, we've got water shortages, Amy, and uh, they're, they're, all these problems uh, are all government-caused and man-made, and, and Gavin doesn't care about them. What he cares about is abortion on demand everywhere, uh, gun control, which certainly doesn't work because criminals don't care about gun laws, uh, he, but he, but these hot button issues are what the media wants to talk about generally, uh, because they agree with Gavin on those things. And this is what he'll bring to Washington D.C. more dysfunction and failed policy. And I don't want to see it happen. I'm sure you don't either. It would be the same if Pritzker would be elected president. What we've got to do is we've got to reform our system, get the people more involved. Get rid of these low-drive, career-rich politicians and get good policy that actually does things for people and not just take their money and continue the dysfunction. Can't keep, can't keep doing the same things and expect a different result. Well, what can we do? How can you change the system? That's what the book addresses as well. Uh, and if people can learn about the reform I'm talking about. It's called fearthepeople.org. Fearthepeople.org. You know, listen, the dysfunction in Illinois and California is rooted in the same thing, Amy, and that is the power of the media and the power of special interest groups. And in, and in both states, public sector unions, radical environmentalists, trial lawyers, big business types, big health care companies, all these, all these concerns, all these interest groups, basically funnel their money these politicians and get what they want and the rest of us stuff for the consequences now how do we resolve this we get the people back involved we reduce the size of campaigns so that their money and their manpower isn't needed so the the specific idea i have is for the u.s congress uh, amy we're going to subdivide every congressional district into a hundred little tiny districts of 7,500 people each. In, in a district that tiny, money won't matter. You can go door to door. You can talk to people at, 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 at their houses, at school, at church. You can actually talk to your representative and get to know them 
and get interested in politics again without the media being the go-between. What happens then is that the 100 people that are elected in these tiny little districts, they get together and select the congressman that goes to Washington. The other 99 stay home. They don't get paid. They don't have an office. They don't have a pension. And they keep in touch with their little tiny little district and their constituents one by one. So there's no campaign advertising or any of that? No campaign advertising. You know, you'll look stupid. You'll look positively stupid buying television ads or social media ads to, to, to get to know people in a district that's only got a few thousand houses. You know, you'll look stupid. And you'll look like a climber. And you'll look like a career politician. What we need, Amy, is what our founders laid out in the Constitution, and that is a people's Congress where people represent people, where they get to know their constituents, where they actually are accountable to their constituents, where they actually can be questioned about policies, where they can actually respond to somebody who asks, well, why are we doing this? Why are we eliminating cash bail for hardened criminals? Why are we giving elementary school teachers tenure? Why are we putting up with lousy teachers that you can't fire? I think, Amy, if people can ask those questions and demand answers, we have a different political system. By, and maybe we get some results that we could be proud of and that would advance the country. Yeah, I'm sure he's insulated by the media in California the way Pritzker's insulated by the media here in some regards, right? Oh, I'm right? sure. Um, you know what, John? I actually phone banked for you in twenty in your 2018 run all the way here from in Illinois. You, you, you did? Had, yeah. They, he had wow. some phone bankers here uh, making phone calls on his behalf when he ran. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine. You know, Obama brought the Chicago way to D.C. Can you imagine... Gavin Newsom being president of the United uh, States of America. It makes me sick. Bringing the California spending model to D.C. You talk about steroids, spending on steroids. I mean, our, I mean, we'll never have. We'll, we'll, we'll do continuing resolutions un, until per, in perpetuity because nobody will, will be willing to do a budget. But help me understand this. I, I, I was told that in California you have to purchase electric cars by 2035 or something like that. Has that ever been done where you were forced to buy a product? And the that, government makes the you government, buy a product. No, no. You actually have that wrong, John. Okay. And, you know, what basically they've declared, which is almost the same thing, by the way, and that is that combustion cars, gasoline-powered cars, are not going to be able to be sold after 2035. So you're right in one sense. If you want a new car, you're going to be forced to buy an electric car. By the way, John, it's worse than that because this is a state that has decommissioned natural gas, hydropower, and other sources of energy. And every August, when it gets warm, and it does get warm, California, I assure you, we actually have to turn off. They actually want us to turn off our electric <laughs> uh, power because we just don't have enough to power air conditioning in August. And that's when... Electric cars only are about 10% oh of the number of cars in California. Uh, and we don't have the public transportation that you guys have in Illinois. Right. So I don't know what we're going to do when we get to 2035 and we've got to buy an electric car that you can't even plug in. And by the way, 
Joe Biden is the second coming of Jimmy Carter, right? I don't yep. think we can agree on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, mortgage rates are high. I mean, when I was a kid, I remember our mortgage rate was 18%. Rent is too it's damn not as, high. Well, it's not as high as it was back then, but I remember high inflation, that. I remember we had American hostages, which we still have now, but they're yeah. not getting the same attention that yeah. the American hostages None. in Iran did. But, yeah, it's the same history is repeating itself. And that would be in an overdrive with Gavin Newsom because Gavin Newsom has learned the lesson that a lot of these politicians have, and that is go along with the media, do what they want, and also make sure you get, you know, you curry the favor of these other groups that will fund your campaigns and give you support door to door, like the radical environmentalists, the public sector unions, the trial lawyers, the healthcare companies. And big pharma. I mean, it's on both sides, by the way. It's Republicans and Democrats. There's just no question about that. Yep. And that's what we'll that's what we'll end up with. And I don't want to see this country get worse. That's that's my whole impetus in writing this book and talking about HearThePeople.org. And I would urge any of your listeners to go to HearThePeople.org, take a look at our video, take a look at our plan, and. Hopefully people will agree that this is just what we absolutely need to turn this country around and and get some decent policies. Yeah, and John, I'm glad you said that, turn this country around. Uh, California surprised us with a couple of congressional seats. Is the tide turning in California? Are the people so fed up now and they're starting to see through the minutiae, the lies of, of, of these leftists that, are, that have ruined that great once great state? Um, are, is, is California making a turnaround? And if so... Can we get some of that here in Illinois? (laughs) It is, actually, I think, a little bit. Newsom's approval ratings are down, and and part of it is that we're now turning a 68 uh, or a a surplus. He he talked about a surplus during the recall campaign, by the way, which was an absolute lie, Mm. and now they're reporting a $68 billion deficit. The the chickens have come home to roost, as uh, Mr. Obama's favorite pastor would say. Uh, we've got a huge deficit. I suspect Illinois is probably on its way to that. And maybe, just maybe that'll wake people up. I don't know. Uh, you're, the, the reasons are the same, by the way. You guys talked about it earlier. People are leaving Illinois because of the spending and the taxes and the bad education and the high crime. The same thing is happening in California. It's very famous. It's been written about by so many people that people in California have just given up. So uh, that's 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 happening now in California. It's going to happen in Illinois, and I think it's going to happen in blue states all over the country, frankly. All right. The book is The Newsom Nightmare, The California Catastrophe and How to Reform Our Broken System. And, again, you could go to heartthepeople.org. That's H-E-A-R-T, thepeople.org, for more information. John no, that's, Cox. That's hear the people. That's hear the people. Hear the people. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Yeah. See, this is what happens when I don't have my glasses. I'm Our so part. sorry, John. Here, but we love people, too. Hearthepeople.org. Yeah. Hearthepeople.org. And thank you so much, uh, John Cox, for coming on the program. Have a great holiday care, season. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, John. Take care. With you. Thank you. Bye-bye. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. This is Chicago's morning answer on AM560. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. The answer. This is Chicago's morning answer. Merry Christmas. On AM560. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah!
the answer. There are some times when the kids go to bed and we just stay in the night crying, talking about how, how hard the life it is for us. It's very hard to see my kids go to bed with, with hunger and not having something to give to them. Oh, that was uh, somebody who is benefiting from Food for the Poor. We've been working with Food for the Poor this entire uh, holiday season to try and raise money for those less fortunate, those who don't know where their next meal is coming from. And, uh, John, I don't know if you know, I went to Haiti one year because they help moms and kids and dads, people in need in Latin America and the Caribbean and Haiti. Uh, But they really are just an amazing organization. They have these feeding centers that people come to. They walk from all over, some miles, every day to get there, get their buckets of rice and beans, and then walk back. Mm. And I know because I was filling up those buckets of rice and beans. And then when they're out of food, sorry, they're out. And then some are lucky that some will try and wait around uh, for the next you know time that they're giving out food. But it's really a great organization. And with that, we welcome back to the program Paul Jacobs. Uh, he's the radio manager on-air fundraiser for Food for the Poor, the manager of that. Good morning, Paul. How are you? Good morning and Merry Christmas to you both. Good. So, you know, Christmas is on Monday. And how about making a donation on behalf of a loved one who has everything? Yeah, you know, I love that because, you know, there's a lot of things on our last minute to-do list, right? Everybody's got those piles of boxes stacking up at their front door from all these deliveries, and you're probably running out and seeing the long lines. But you're making the effort because this is the season where we turn away from ourselves and we turn towards someone else. We expand, if you will, our definition of community, and we give. And how about on your last-minute list, you could provide a meal for a child? That would be transformative for families. You know, the little the mom on the clip that you just heard, her name is Lourdes. I met her just a few months ago on my trip to Honduras. I was with our ministry partner on the ground meeting families. And she said something that struck me. She's like, you know, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do if I don't have anything to give them to eat. And the reality is that no one can survive. None of these children can survive if nothing is done for them. And one of the tragic things about that mom and that family was her husband stood right right next to her. He had been injured permanently on the job. He couldn't work. So this mom had to bear the weight of both her husband and her working several days, you know, literally almost seven days a week. But what was touching to me was how she explained the the, the struggle every single day that she goes through to, to provide food for her children. She had that stoic face, you know, that mom face where yep. like, it's tough, but I'm going to hold it together. But every time she explained something to me through the translator, she would look at those children And she'd look back at me and she'd look again at those children. And then I saw it. That one tear broke. And I recognized that mother was broken. Why? Because she didn't have enough food to feed her children. And this is why we can have the greatest giving day in all of AM560 history today with four days left before Christmas. And the number to call if you want to make a donation. We're asking for a one-time gift of $80. $80? When you go to the grocery store, it's a lot. Your bill is a lot more expensive than eighty dollars. But with eighty dollars, John, mm-hmm. you could feed two children for a year. For three hundred and twenty, you could feed eight children for one year. And the impact your gift can have is, is just reaches out to those in need. And the number to call to make a gift of any amount really eight four four eight six two forty six seventy three. Again, that's eight four four. 862-4673 or visit 560theanswer.com slash food for the poor. And some people that have given 
John gave $80. He's in Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin, and he wrote, We have plenty, they have nothing. Mm -hmm. Another person, Michael in Geneva, gave $200. Thank you so much, Michael. Uh, Said, we're blessed. It's a privilege to help those, and particularly innocent children in desperate need of nourishment. So please uh, keep it coming. And if you're a business owner or making the marketing decisions for your company, you could become a business benefactor with that. You make a one-time donation of $2,500. And as a way of saying thank you, oh, by the way, tax deductible. I know a lot of you are looking for some tax deductions <laughs> before the end of the year. Because uh, the, the end of the year is in two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. Uh, to become a business benefactor, two, $2,500 tax deductible gift. Money goes to food for the poor. And as a way of saying thank you, we give you 40 one-minute commercials that air Monday through Friday right here on AM560. And to become a business benefactor, call Ann Jeanette. Natowski, but Anjanette, 847 472 8951. I'll say it again 847 472 8951. And we want to thank some of our business benefactors customconstructionsystems.com, Chicago Gaelic Park, Riverside Club for Adventure and Imagination, Ooh. the Telepro Group, we've got Spawn Financial. Troost Cemeteries. I probably butchered that. It might be Troost. It's T-R-O-O-S-T Cemeteries. <laughs> Favia Dental. Fam- Favia Family Dental. That's my dentist. So thank you, Dr. Joe. Suburban Welding and Steel. The list goes on and on. Birdies for Kids. Dutch Farms. Broadway Family Dental. That's a dance dentist, but whatever. Uh, Tyson Roofing <laughs> General Parts. The list goes on and on. But this sells out every single year. We have uh, about 10 business benefactor slots left to reach our goal, so let's get this done. And Paul, let's tell us, too, a one-time donation of $2,500. What kind of impact would that have on the program? I want you to just consider 62 children in your church, 62 children in your uh, son or daughter's, uh, you know, Christmas cantata, their their end of the year play, their Christmas play. 62 children on a stage singing, laughing, being children. 62 children in a playground as you're in the carpool line waiting to pick up your little one with their tag that says your last name on there. That's exactly how many children that will eat every single day for the next year because of your generosity, you as a business. You know, Reed, uh, Reed gave a, a business benefactor gift, and I just love this comment. Reed basically gave a $2,500 gift, and he said, what we give in love, we receive in joy. There is on the other side a, a benefit to you because you get it's, it's tax deductible. It is a advertising schedule, which is very lucrative. And, and I mean, in terms of what you get. But on the other side of that, there is a mother. There are families. There's an entire community with 62 children that will eat every single day and rejoice, not just this Christmas, but into Easter as well as the Christmas next year this time because of you. And, you know, we have, you know, you, we talked about the 10 business benefactors slots. It's interesting. That's the exact number that we're pacing behind. We're usually a little bit farther ahead by this time. It's no secret that every year we come back to you to be as generous as you can. And and it's just remarkable how we've seen a response. But we are about 10 businesses uh, pacing behind where we typically are at this time of the year. But it doesn't have to be. With four days left before Christmas, before you just kind of shut things down and center around your family and those you've invited in, can you please just expand your definition 
definition of community and compassion and extend yourself to these families, these 62 children. Yeah. Paul, I just have one thing to say. Yes. I, I have a radio show here on Black and Right. I want to be a participant in this next year. Amen. Uh, I reached, my, my radio show reached over 10 million plus people in the last month. Wow. 10 million plus. And I would love to use that platform to feed as many kids as we possibly can. And, and, and that's right up my alley. I yes. don't know. I don't know if you've ever been to Haiti. Never been to Haiti. I have friends you've been that to are Mexico. there. Mexico. I've been to yeah. certain parts, you know, third world countries. Um, but Haiti, that is a different kind of poverty. Yeah. I have never, ever, ever seen anything like that. Yeah. I, interviewed- I mean, there's wild animals eating garbage. There's yep. just, you know, because they had earthquakes and then they had political yeah. unrest. Their president yeah. was shot and. So what's it like there now in Haiti? Because I know that feeding center isn't it for, you know, for safety reasons. Was that temporarily shut down? Yeah, that's exactly right. Because of the civil unrest, because of economic decline and a lot of the challenges that face Haiti right now. I mean, every, something as simple as the fact that you cannot afford fuel or cannot afford a public transportation to get you to the feeding center that that had to have changed. So Food for the Poor decided working with our ministry partners on the ground, we had to do something different. So the hardworking men and women of our office, over 300 that work in the Port-au-Prince office, then, you know, you, Amy, you saw it was like a beehive of, of energy that just just going back and forth to help these families. Those 2,600 ministries that used to come in every single day to get resources to go out are now establishing regional feeding centers. In other words, they're in their community, helping the families, keeping the families within their community, keeping the families together so that we can then really, uh, through creative methods, we, where we can't take roads, we basically arrange for a barge to take it by sea where we can't literally get across a highway we'll airlift there are very um i i call them my heroes uh there are a couple of men uh, that are truck drivers with our food for the poor port-au-prince office that just recently in a, in a conversation I was having with our executive director down there he said these men left their families during the holidays to get as far as they can with a convoy of food stopped on the side of the road where it was safe overnighted and slept in their trucks and began again at the crack of dawn to get that food to these regional feeding centers. This is the level of commitment that these men and women and also, you know, what you're fueling with your generous gifts and donations so that the families, the ministries, the pastors on the ground can help these families and children survive. 844-862-4673. That's where you can make a donation. Uh, A gift of any amount would be very much appreciated. And it takes seconds. You you call, boom, they're they're not messing around. They'll take your information. They'll take your credit card. Thank you so much. You're done. And you can even even tell the operator when you call, um, I want to make this donation on behalf of my mother or my well-fed kids or grandkids. And (laughs) it's it's great. So, again, 844-862-4673 or visit 560theanswer.com slash food for the poor. And, again, it's our last uh, push for this year as we, you know, wind down this year and Paul, thank you so much for all that you do. You're such a wonderful human being, and you have a great heart. I am grateful for all of you. Merry Christmas, and God bless you all. You too. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. Hear about the big stories of the day, then talk about them right here on Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. All right, we got some text messages we have to get through real quick, and we always thank you for uh, helping us out. John and Amy... Sean LaFord is part of the problem. Sorry, can't stand the guy. Interesting conversation, though. Glad you had him on. It was 
a good example of why Illinois is in such dire straits. He talks out of both sides of his mouth, but signed garbage legislation that's destroying communities and lives across the state of Illinois. Ford can go pound sand. Ooh. Ooh. She just did the pound sand. With the pound sand, that's bringing it. Do you have any text messages over there? Uh, no. No? Not the ones. Okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, I don't know if you've noticed, but they've been out the late night circuit. Like Conan O'Brien. Joe Biden? Yeah, Conan O'Brien <laughs> interviewed him. Yeah. And it was, yeah. And But then he was in uh, Milwaukee yesterday. Yeah. And he did the old, when he was done speaking, he did this. And then he turned around. And he put his hands out, like, where's Jill? <laughs> Conjecture on my part. Oh, and then he started walking toward flags in the back. <laughs> he just didn't know where he was going. But he's trying to be down with the struggle. You know, he's trying to get the black vote. Oh. Are you ready? This oh. is so embarrassing. I come from a state that has the eighth largest black population in the country. And uh, as they say, the saying goes, where I come, you bring me to the dance early on. Delaware has the eighth. Uh, I think he's from, well. He's from Scranton, Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. Yeah, but you brung me to the da- you brung me to the dance. Yeah, you brung. Hey, they all do it. I ain't no ways tired. You know, Hillary Clinton and AOC. They all do that. You know, pander to the black people. And Isn't we just that insulting it up. though. Hot sauce in your purse, Kamala. Oh, come on. She oh. said that. Who, who carries well, she... hot sauce? Yeah, I'm not I love hot sauce. I don't carry. I love hot sauce, but I'm white. Is that bad? Should yeah. I not like hot sauce? I yeah. love hot. sauce. I thought you were Swedish, not white. Oh. <laughs> Distinction. Ish. Um, and Kamala, she. I don't know what this is. This is. This is. She was on with. Uh, oh my God, Lauren O'Donnell. Lawrence O'Donnell. Oh. Talking about the election. You ready? Yeah. Here's your backup. One heartbeat away from the presidency. I have been fortunate and blessed during the course of being vice president, have many situations where it becomes clear to me that there are, you know, people of every age and, and gender, by the way, who see something about being the first that lets them know they don't need to be um, limited by other people's mm. limited um, understanding of who can do what. What? <laughs> <laughs> she put words together that didn't go together. <laughs> Those words didn't match up oh, with each other. She makes me feel sane. This is Chicago's morning answer. Oh, oh my God! On AM 560. Santa here? I know him. The answer. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM 560. The answer. <laughs> All right, good Thursday morning on the eve of the eve of the eve of Christmas Eve. Amy Jacobson here, John Anthony, and Dan Proft. He is host of Black and Right Radio, Saturdays from 4 to 7 p.m. And uh, you had 10 million people? Last month. Last month? Well, you weren't here last month. Oh! Oh, oh, ow, ow. He's been on a sabbatical, everybody. But, you know. I want to be you. Well, you know. That's right. You deserve it. We can't all be John. You got to decompress. John Anthony. John Anthony, man of mystery. <laughs> um, so you and I have been talking a lot because yes. we both have watched Leave the World Behind on Netflix. Not people. What did you say? Leave the people behind. Yeah, not leave, leave the world behind, but it's an apocalyptic film starring yeah. Julia Roberts, her P-hat wearing husband who plays. I, I couldn't believe I'm, I'm sick Hawk. of that. 
Why? I'm sick of men being weak. Well, wait, in let me these just movies. give the premise. Okay, I'm right? sorry. So, and they're a rich, you know, not rich couple, but middle class couple. They live in the Bronx, and they yeah. decide to go on, that, you know, like a little weekend getaway <laughs> to a, a, a beach house, which is a beautiful beach house. Anyway, Whew. and the owners of the Airbnb come back because there was a blackout in New York, and he knew something and was being kind of cagey. Right. And uh, some things happen. I don't want to give it all away, but you have death to America flyers that were being mm-hmm. dropped mm-hmm. from uh, Iran. A drone. By a drone. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was, what they did was they attacked the site, our, our mm-hmm. power plants, but also this, like, everything went out first was, they attacked our satellites that are right. in the sky. Right. Or in outer space. Cyber attack. The sky. It was a cyber attack. Yes. Yeah. And uh, then they had some racial overtones because the family that owns the house is black. I'm asking for you to remember that if the world falls apart, trust should not be dulled out easily to anyone, especially white people. Even mom would agree with me on that. So (laughs) there's racial overtones, but that's why some people didn't want to see it because they thought it was too woke. And I said, no, no, Uh, there's just one part that's pretty bad. Right. But what did you think? Uh, I thought it was a good movie um my concern is that a former sitting president who knows all of the secrets of america uh is executive producer and and actually added copious notes to how the movie should actually be portrayed uh that concerns me that really concerns me um because like i said he had he knows all the secrets um and he knows the world enemies america's enemies excuse me um, I'm wondering if this had to be vetted through um, somebody, no. I don't know, the ju- Justice Department. The vetters are the Obamas. Yeah, but because what I'm saying is. And that was the Michelle Obama scene right there. What if some of the stuff that he knows he put in that movie? You know, I, I mean, because, I mean, he, that, that movie pretty much laid out how to attack America, how to destroy America, except for a, the a last part, program. The fight from fighting from within, we'll kill each other. I mean uh, that'll happen. That'll happen anywhere. That would happen. Gosh, I think we're giving away a lot. Oh, okay, we asked yeah. Justin to see it, but you were mentioning uh, Ethan Hawke, the character yeah. he played. I'm, that, I'm s- that I, I am among people like that. Yeah, I live in that world. I used to live with people who would be out there shoveling with me when a storm hit. Yeah. We uncover the drain so the water can get down yeah. and our cars don't get flooded. Guess who I'm out there with now? Same. Me, myself, and I. Yeah, because this, everybody outsources everything. There's no handyman for your house anymore. Yeah. They don't do the work. Right. They, they why why pick a weed in your front lawn? Pay yeah, somebody else to do it. Not, not even just so much that. His his he mannerisms. He wasn't prepared. But his mannerisms and you know, first of all, you know, they tried to say that they that Julia Robinson he him were, were racist because they wouldn't let a black man in his own house. Uh if I'm renting out, he ain't coming in. I'm sorry. They're not coming in my in there with me. Doesn't matter what color. They're they not are. I don't care what color. They, but you they are not, did let them in. Yeah, I, they they wouldn't have come in in my. I'm sorry. Get back in your car, go wherever you got to go. Right now, I'm 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 in this house. I've rented this house out. You're not coming in here. I don't trust people like that. So that's why I'll survive at the end of the world. If we ever come to the end of the world, I'm going to survive because I'm not trusting anybody. You're not coming in my house. You come up in my house, I'm going to shoot you dead. DRT, right? Dead right there. But the Ethan Hawke character, I mean, he... He's weak. Well, yeah, but he admitted it. But strong woman. He wasn't woman, prepared. Strong woman. But he wasn't man. prepared. Yeah, he wasn't. And what scares me even more is after watching this film, learning that none other than Mark Zuckerberg has built a home yeah. with a $100 million 
bunker yeah. in the basement. Oh, does he know a hundred million dollar bunker? Yeah. Does he know something? Uh, apparently, he must know something, <laughs> unless he just has gobs and gobs of money to yeah. throw away on something like that. Yeah. See, I'm an end of the world type of guy. I, I think I think they're going to be zombies. Zombies will be among us. Oh, stop. The zombie. Well, we already got them now. Look at them when they're on drugs. They look like zombies. <laughs> bent all over. Oh, you yeah. turkey. <laughs> What's that? Waka flocka? What's that whatever? stuff called, Justin? That it's Waka, flocka, tonk? whatever that drug I thought is. Tonk or tonk tank? Oh, my God. I can't even talk. Yeah. Justin, help me out. Trank. Trank. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, yeah they do. Oh, wait, how do you zombies. know that? Wait, 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 let's, He's, wait hold on he, now. He knows wait, everything. <laughs> All right, so, again, the whole premise of the movie, though, started with a cyber attack. And with more on cyber attacks, real-world stuff, let's welcome back to the program Gordon Chang, author of The Coming Collapse of China and The Great U.S.-China Tech War. And we want to mention his Twitter handle is at Gordon G. Chang. Again, that's Gordon G. Chang, and he wrote a column. Terrifying hacks on a critical infrastructure has have arrived. America isn't ready. How apropos for today. Mm. Good morning, Mr. Chang. How are you? I'm fine, Amy, and thank you, John. Good morning. By any chance, did you see the Netflix film Leave the World Behind? No, I didn't. So I was very interested in your description of it. Um, and it sounds so gruesome that I probably am not going to watch it um, because it's very close to reality or what could very well happen oh, because we do have unprotected networks. Okay. And can you describe, I know you wrote an article about terrifying hacks on critical in- infrastructure has arrived. Uh, where is it happening in America? So for instance, on November 25th, um, an Iranian group, uh, probably state back, uh, took down the water system of Aliquippa, Pennsylvania, which is near Pittsburgh. Now, um, through manual operations, um, people were able to get the system back up, um, but it was uh, a critical vulnerability. Um, and those same hackers subsequently hit four other water systems. Um, but of course, we've had bigger hacks on infrastructure. So for instance, the Colonial Pipeline hack of 2021, where Russian ransomware attackers uh, were able to take down the pipeline system, which, of course, disrupted gas supplies on the East Coast and also disrupted airline operations. And, you know, there's a list goes on and on. Um, But the real issue here is not so much that there are people who are attacking our infrastructure. It is that our networks are undefended and they are easy pickings. And we've known about this problem for a very long time, but have done relatively little about it. Well, why aren't we ready? Why, we're the most powerful country in the world. Why aren't we stepping up, as Mayor Lightfoot would say, and, and be more prepared? Well, to a certain extent, we're oblivious. Um, you know, you could ask the same question. Why were uh, 19 terrorists um, able to take down, um, you know, take five planes and take down two buildings in New York one in Washington, D.C., when we had all the signs that this was going to happen and when Osama bin Laden was continually talking about attacking America. You know, and then the question is, well, why were we attacked on December 7th, 1941? This is, I think, inherent in the United States, that we believe that we are invulnerable, that others aren't going to attack us. And even when others say they're going to attack us, um, we still do not pay attention. We are determined not to pay attention. So what if they do take down a water plant? I mean, this dis- disruption of critical infrastructure, 
then then what? I mean, where they make demands in order you pay a certain amount and then we'll turn your water supply back on? Well, on the November 25th attack, um, it was not ransomware. So they just wanted to disrupt. And, and here the motive was that they uh, hit a piece of equipment that was obtained from Israel. And so the Iranian hackers had been going after this particular programmable logic controller um, in other water systems uh, around the world. So um, we should have known it was coming. But this really was related to the Gaza war. So in a sense, the war in the Middle East has come to the United States. Yeah, she wrote another article about that, too, that the world is at war. Um, so what can we do to protect ourselves and what could Mr. Biden do or the president do? Well, first of all, I mean, they're, they're very simple technological fixes, but really this is a political issue. Uh, so, for instance, we know the Chinese have switched the focus of their cyber attacks away from data theft and espionage to um, taking down critical infrastructure. Um I think that really what we need to do is impose severe costs on China in a non-cyber realm, because we don't want to disclose how good we are at uh, cyber offense. Um, so really what I think we should be doing is taking something that China really wants, taking it away and saying, you know, stop this, um, or we are going to continue to impose these costs. And, and I think that it's really in the sense um, you go around country to country and find out what they want and make sure they can't have it. Yeah. Um, this is going to be difficult for us. It's not an easy process, but we are critically reliant on our networks and we are very vulnerable. So I think we have no choice. And unfortunately, this president and his predecessors have not taken the steps that uh, were obvious. And uh, obviously at this point, um, you know, we're going to be rushing to do something. Right. Fortunately, on December 15th, the 15th of this month, the SEC has issued some rules which will have very wide sweeping effects on how public companies deal with cyber attacks. At least that's a start. Yeah. yeah um, Mr. Chang, uh, as I look at this immigration issue, um, they said we've had a lot of Chinese nationals come into our country. You have a lot of people from Iran, Iran coming into the, into the country. Um, could they be coming here to set up shop to attackers? And would it, is it easier to to cyber to, to launch a cyber attack within the borders of America, or um, distance has no no? Um, it, it's not about distance or space. Well, John, um, a couple things. First of all, I do believe that uh, they are um, operatives coming across our border. Border Patrol knows some of the Chinese have links to the Chinese military. Um, we have seen. Other people come across the border with explosive devices that uh, would be suitable for terrorism. Um, there have been terror watch list individuals who have been nabbed at the border. Obviously, some of them have got across without our knowing. They're the getaways or yeah. gotaways. Um, and um, China has that had that secret uh, biological weapons lab in Reedley, California, that was discovered this year. Wow. I think that really what these saboteurs were doing would be to link up with a facility like that because that facility had at least 20 pathogens and almost a thousand mice that had been genetically engineered to spread disease. Um, so you can put two and two together to see what's happening. On the, your second question, um, I think it probably would be easier um, to launch a cyber attack in the U.S. because they wouldn't be coming from Chinese IP addresses, for instance. And so it would be maybe a little bit harder to detect. 
but clearly um, uh, when your networks are undefended, it really doesn't matter where the attacks are coming from. Why wasn't that on the news that China had, a, a, a lab was discovered in California? I mean, I this oh, is the I first know, I'm hearing they, of it. Oh, no, they barely touched on it, but they did touch on it. That's a national security issue. I know. We talked about it on the show when oh, it happened. God. It's crazy. All right, Gordon Chang, we're going to have to leave it there for today. You can follow him on Twitter, at Gordon G. Chang, author of The Coming Collapse of China and the Great U.S.-China Tech War. Mr. Chang, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Amy and John, and I really appreciate it. And Merry Christmas to you both and to your listeners. Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank. Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender.